It's time for Love Talk with the Lovelies, Kathy, Carrie, and Marley. Hello, friends, and welcome to Love Talk. You found the Love Ladies right here on 101.1 FM and 1120 AM, The Bridge, Austin. We welcome you to Central Texas Christian Talk. I am Coach Carrie Brinkader. I'm in studio. My amazing co-host, Kathy Enderbrock. Hi, Kath. Hi, Coach. Hi, Coach Carrie. It's great to be with you today. We are missing our marvelous Marlene McMichael. We're going to miss her for the next two weeks. She is at a cousin's reunion, and we love that uh, she's able to just press into that experience and have fun with those very beautiful uh, cousins in her family. And so we'll have her back in the next two weeks. But we have an amazing guest on the program today that I am so excited about, Carrie. You know, um, we've had Jeremy on our program a couple of times, and his fortitude just never ceases to amaze me. He was in studio with us um, back in May of 22 and September of 22. He shared the incredible details of just in a, a courageous stand against um, illegal behavior um, in the Round Rock ISD school board, as well as the superintendent that they hired. And since then, he's been in national headlines and he's with us today to give us an update, encourage us um, about what happens when godly men and women stand in the gap for our children and refuse to be shaken. Kathy, this is just such an important topic, and we're going to get to introducing him in just a moment. You know, I, I just, I love this. I love the example that he sets for us because, you know, we have to be willing to really step into some deep waters to save our students. And I love the way yeah. that the Lord works. You know, sometimes God says, hey, you know what? You just stand back and you just sit there and worship and praise, and I got this, and you just watch the victory. And other other times he says, no, 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 I am going to do nothing until you step into these deep waters. And once mm-hmm. you do that, then I will hold back the water and make a way. Um, and so I just I just love that as we keep our eyes on the Lord and as we uh, move forward with him, that he will bring the victory. And, and one of the things that I love about this story that we're going to share, friends, is then, and those of you who have joined us uh, before with Jeremy's story back in May 15th, 2022 and September 10th, 2022, um, you know, he never looked and said, oh, I am going to take on the entire Round Rock ISD school board and district. I am going to go and take a stand. No, no, no. He never did that. He was just stepping forward with what he believed to be useful information, helpful information, concerning information. He was stepping forward to protect his children. Uh, he was stepping into waters. He had no idea how deep those waters were. And uh, the, the, um, situation that he stepped into has been any other man, I think, would have run the other way. And we're going to see what happens when a godly man steps into the waters, what the Lord does, and how you just continue to press forward to it with it. And so we have as our key verse for today, I think, something so um, important for all of us to hold on to. It comes straight out of Psalms 62. You can find Psalms right in the middle of your Bible there, friends. It is the Old Testament. If you flip over to Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8, it says this, yes, my soul find rest in God. My hope comes from him. 
truly he is my rock. He is my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. And today we're going to get to hear Jeremy's story. We're going to get to hear about a recent ruling, a huge ruling made in his favor. And we're going to look and ask him how God has taken him through all of this. And um, Coach Carrie, you know, I know that, that our education system is just really uh, gone off the rails in many ways. And, um, and, and so we have this question for parents. Are we going to be willing to step into the deep waters with courage and conviction, being willing mm-hmm. to step out and save our, our students? And, and I love this mm-hmm. about Jeremy, that he is a lifelong advocate of investing in the next generation. And he has, um, for the last 24 years, worked to train leaders across the nation and the world to really work together to reach college students with a message of the presence of Jesus and through, uh, through leaders and through the work of Christ to really bring about a positive impact to society um, among these college students who graduate and, and lead out. And Jeremy has a background mm-hmm. of working with hundreds of campuses. He's traveled to over 40 states and five continents um, really towards this vision of impacting our college youth. And, you know, Carrie, you and I are at that stage now where we have college youth that we want to have an impact for Christ. Oh, man, it. It's so true. And, you know, that's my heart's desire. Obviously, you want them to make good grades and to get an education um, where they can um, have a career and support a family and those things. But my number one prayer for my kids is that they will reflect um, Jesus in their everyday life, that they will live for him um, and not succumb to just the, I mean, the extremes. Right. The extremes of rather whether that's laziness or the party crowd. Right. To not succumb to because um, a guest that that we had on recently said, you know, the devil works in the extremes. Right. And so we just that's my prayer for my college kids. And Jeremy has just had such an impact and continues to have an impact on not only our college students, but our students that are um, under our roofs. Um, yeah. and, uh, and navigating these difficult waters for sure. Okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and give our uh, listening friends a little bit of background on Jeremy, a little bit of background on where he, what he has been through and where he's at, and then we're going to hear from him and get the update. And uh, very interesting, this is going to start uh, hitting the news out- outlets. And so, uh, friends, you're going to want to know this information. Well, Jeremy's story, uh, he is a man who has built his life on God's truth and faithfulness, that the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. He has seven children. He lives in the Austin, Texas area. He's a graduate of the University of Texas with a degree in government. Uh, during his time at UT, he developed a vision for transformation through prayer and partnership between Christi- Christian ministries and churches on campus. He currently serves as the president of Campus Renewal, which is a national nonprofit serving as a catalyst to convene students and college ministers from different churches and nonprofits in united prayer and and uh, mission. And, uh, you know, he has been in this situation um, 
across the last two years now where he stood up um, at a board meeting and as a result of peacefully raising concerns around the potential hiring of a superintendent at an open meeting of the Round Rock ISD school board, he found himself forcibly removed from the microphone before being able to finish presenting his substantiated evidence. And even though he his allotted speaking time had not run out, and then pursuant to that, the police showed up at his home the following day, arrested and jailed him. And, uh, you know, further to that, these same board members openly slandered his character. He's had to spend his own money on his legal defense uh, while the uh, school board members allegedly have, have even violated state law by spending substantial amounts of taxpayer dollars on their personal defense, uh, filing hundreds of pages of claims uh, to potentially silence him. And, you know, I think this would be, have been enough to completely science, silence an average citizen, but Jeremy sees it as a warning alarm that if he does not, if he allows these intimidations to silence him, that there would be no standing for anyone in the future. And there's a current ruling by Judge um, Judge David Allen Ezra, the Western District of Texas Federal Court. And I want to read these um, words from Judge Ezra as he uh, stated his decision that Jeremy Story's um, um, case will move to trial. He says um, in his decision, it says story, however, has alleged facts sufficient to state a claim that was that he was engaged in constitutionally protected speech. An arrest would certainly chill a person of ordinary firmness from continuing to engage in the protected activity. And story has alleged that his arrest was substantially motivated by his speech to the board. Thus, the court finds that story has stated a First Amendment retaliation claim. This was a huge ruling by Judge Ezra. And Jeremy Story, welcome to Love Talk. We are excited to hear the latest and what God is doing. Thank you. Thank you for having me on today. I appreciate it. Well, so well, tell this- me. Go ahead, Carrie. No, go ahead, Kath. Yeah. Okay, so tell me about this ruling with Judge Ezra, and he actually uh, put it to you saying, hey, Mr. Story, we would like you to actually provide more documentation of other people who have been involved in this to see if, if we actually need to, uh, to see what the full breadth of this case is that you're bringing against um, the Round Rock ISD. So uh, just bring us in a little bit of the background, any details that you feel like we need to know and uh, what you're preparing for. One thing I always want to try to do my best to do, if I can, is uh, really <clears throat> the story you were telling. It was one thing that was a little different. It was actually a little worse. It wasn't the day after they took me off the speaking stand at the school board. It was 30 days after <clears throat> they all of a sudden showed up at my house. But it, it was 30 days after, but it was only one day after they had accepted my formal grievance against the school district. So the school district said that it had been sent to their spam folder. Finally, they finally said, oh, we have now officially received your grievance. Once their police department had 86 did and wouldn't take my, anything, my grievance, so I had to file a formal one with the district. So that happens on day 29. On day 30, right after they received that, all of a sudden out of nowhere, they get an affidavit that they create a false one. It's full of falsehoods. They used that affidavit to catalyze my arrest through the sheriff's department at my home and make an exception to put me in jail um, against current COVID policies they were enforcing for other people with worse offenses. 
Um, they do all of that in less than a few hours, basically, in a day, and then mobilize two cop cars to come to my house like there's some Gestapo to arrest me. That all happened in a matter of hours after 29 days of doing nothing until I filed the grievance formally with them and wouldn't stop speaking over that 29 days in a variety of different forms. At one point, they had a school board meeting again, and I went to that school board meeting, and they actually stationed police officers outside that school board meeting. This was after the time they pulled me out. The police officers wouldn't answer any questions, and they blockaded the doors and only allowed about 15 parents into a 300-person room and swore that the reason they were doing it was because of COVID. The problem was the week before they hadn't enforced that same level of shrinkage and then the week after they didn't enforce it in fact the week after they allowed they put an auditorium full of about several hundred people with no spacing whatsoever and in the school district across the district they weren't spacing students or telling them they couldn't be together and the very night that they blocked the doors and claimed it was because of covid across the hall in the gym there was about 100 students or so that were that had no spacing they were literally blocking the doors to keep me and others who were aligned with me out from exposing malfeasance of the superintendent and the school board members who were protecting him. And then uh, shortly after that is when they arrested me because I just wouldn't stop trying to get the word out uh, and exposing the fact that the superintendent had been at that point served with a protective order for family violence at district headquarters. And the board, at least five of the seven board members, were pretending like this had not happened. They weren't telling the public. They weren't saying it. Two board members were trying to get it put on the agenda to be discussed. Five board members were voting them down so they couldn't get it on the agenda. They were doing everything they could to silence that opinion. And that's what this case is about, is if you speak up in this country and take a stand for, in my case, what I believe to be righteousness, that we don't need a man who had that kind of, uh, he he had been in an adulterous relationship, got a woman pregnant, threatened her via text message to attack her if she wouldn't get an abortion, and then we're supposed to keep this guy in power. And I don't think so. He then, in a, later in an affidavit, owned up to the fact that the school board members had told him that the woman had come to the school board begging for help, and instead of going to help her, some of these school board members told the superintendent, which makes them complicit or at least catalytic in an, in a, in a, in an alleged assault. That's a problem. That is a serious problem. When I began to speak about that, they put me in jail for it. And that's why they're getting sued presently, because in America, we should be able to speak out. We should be able to say things that are true, especially to expose corruption. And we should be able to expect that our government, our school district, our legislature, our federal government, the FBI, the IRS, all this craziness that we're seeing right now in our culture won't use the power of the government to come against us as if we're criminals for speaking. You know, I, I I love the stand that you're taking. Thank you so much for sharing those details with us, friends. We have to go to break. Uh, we're going to get a word from our sponsors, and we are going to be right back with more details, more insights with Jeremy's story right after this. Stay with us. George Christensen and his family at Casa Mechanical Services are longtime friends and sponsors for Love Talk, Love Walk. These Casa friends are professionals with more than 40 years' experience in providing heating, air conditioning, plumbing, and electrical services in the Austin area. If your heating isn't heating, your cooling isn't cooling, or your drains aren't draining, well, then you need to call our friends at Casa at 334-7300. 
They provide sales and service on all major brands from professionals you can trust. So big jobs or little jobs, it doesn't matter. Call CASA at 334-7300. Are you looking for a new church home? Or maybe you're new to the area. Either way, we here at First Baptist Church Pflugerville would love to welcome you to visit with us this Sunday at 11 a.m. for our worship service. We have a myriad of different grow groups at 9.30 a.m. And if you need more information, just click the big orange New Here button on our website, fbcpville.org. We hope to connect with you in the near future, and we hope that when you do visit with us, you'll feel like family here. Tim Smith Landscaping. Wow, these guys know what they're doing. Tim Smith has been taking care of landscaping since he was knee-high to a yucca. And they can come to your house and turn a yucky-looking yard into a show place. Take a drab, boring commercial or residential piece of property and turn it into a place that you'll be proud to call home or proud to call your business. There's simply no better choice for landscaping than Tim Smith. 512-848-0659 or 512-2580. Or www.timsmithlandscaping.com. And welcome to Love Talk, friends. It is great to be with you. I'm Kathy Enderbrock in the studio with the amazing coach, Carrie Brinkater. And today on the program, we have Jeremy Story. Friends, this is a man who has really stepped out into the deep waters uh, to take a stand against uh, corruption, or I don't know if we have to say alleged corruption. I'm going to have Jeremy uh, talk towards that against the Round Rock ISD school board. And boy, talk about a day. David versus Goliath situation. And yet, friends, I would say that as parents, we need individual parents. We need groups of parents. We need communities that are willing to stand up and hold our school boards accountable, that are willing to fight for our children, that are willing to say this is unacceptable, this is corruption, this will not take place on my watch. And so we're going to hear from Jeremy, uh, friends, and what he has gone through, how the Lord has worked on his behalf. We're going to hear about a recent uh, ruling by a federal judge, a Judge Ezra, who has basically said, oh, yes, Jeremy, uh, your case has merit. I do see your case going to trial and that any uh, person who lacked the firmness that you have in your character would have absolutely backed down and given up by now. Uh, But, friends, Jeremy has taken a stand to defend his First Amendment's rights. He has taken a stand uh, for righteousness and truth and holding our leadership accountable. Jeremy Story, welcome to Love Talk. We are excited about this conversation that we're having with you today. Thank you. I appreciate the time. So, yeah, we were talking with you uh, just before we started airing about uh, this situation. Just briefly, uh, you, you it, this all started out um, almost two years ago as you were just peacefully raising concerns around the potential hiring of a superintendent at an open meeting of, a, of the Round Rock ISD school board. Um, you found yourself forcibly removed from the microphone, even though you were just talking in a very regular voice. I've watched the video. Um, 29 days later, uh, in, in a really 
just unusual way uh, uh, cop cars showed up at your house as if they were the Gestapo um, arrested and jailed you. Um, and this was during a COVID situation where they weren't arresting other people and putting them in jail for uh, much more severe offenses. And um, you have seen your, your character openly slandered. You've had to spend your own money on your legal defense. And where it has been recently disclosed at a um, at a school board meeting that secret documents have been signed where school board members have been um, against state law uh, using taxpayer funds for their own personal offense when this has never, uh, you know, school boards have never had their personal uh, defense paid for by taxpayer dollars. So, Jeremy, share with us about this and what's going on and a little bit of insight into Judge Ezra's recent ruling and what that means for parents everywhere who want to take stand up and take a stand on behalf of their children. Yeah, absolutely. We can start with just the legal side of it. Essentially, uh, and I'm not a lawyer, and I, uh, but I've kind of learned a lot through this process, and it's not what I wish on anyone. Um, but I would say that basically what he said was he was dismissing some of the things and allowing some of the things. I'd say about 80% he allowed. The parts that he had to dismiss were some of them were on legal technicalities, and he's saying, he said to us basically, look, submit some more evidence and modify in these specific ways, and even gave us the ways to do it in the decision and resubmit it within 30 days, and we'll see what else we can add in. But in, in essence, nice. he kept all of our violations, First Amendment, Fourth Amendment, Fourteenth Amendment, also many of the accusations against them individually, where they're individually potentially on the hook for this, as well as the district itself potentially being on the hook for it from an official perspective, and each of them as officials. So when the judge did that, the school district before that had been saying, there's nothing to see here, well, and they were filing all these dismissal. Four, it was like several hundred pages of dismissal requests. And the initial set of the dismissal requests by a previous judge were basically canceled. Uh, and then, the, then they refiled some new ones. And then this recent win, I believe it was a win for us, the judge basically said, we see validity to a lot of these claims that Mr. Story and his lawyers are claiming, and therefore there's colorable offenses, and we can begin to proceed towards disclosure, which means we get to start doing depositions and interviewing all the people involved and those who also want to testify about those who are involved. The school district has been doing everything they can, spending every dime they can to keep that out of the public eye. But I promise you, I will not back down. The only way I'm going to back down is if these school board members resign they pay me restitution for destroying my reputation across the country and tremendous emotional harm to our family and loss of time and effort and everything, having to give myself to defend myself from even prosecution as well as for the civil suit. Uh, so if they'll resign, if they will compensate us, and if they will issue a public apology, I'm willing to pursue peace. That's the pathway to peace. We don't have to go all the way to court. We can do that. Otherwise, I'll see them in court, and we can appeal all the way to the Supreme Court if that's what they want to do. But people will find out about what has happened in Round Rock, and their lies will be exposed. And so um, that's what I, I think what David Allen Ezra uh, said is it helps us move to the next stage of this trial. Uh, or not of the trial, but of the process. And a lot of people don't realize, and I didn't either, that these processes take a long time, can be years to get something through the courts um, to the level of even the, the initial federal court, let alone the Fifth Circuit or the Supreme Court. And so um, it's just a, a matter of, of time and pressing through in that. You know, I find it really interesting, Jeremy, that you are basically exposing deep corrupt, 
corruption. You're, and, and they are slandering you left and right. They are destroying your reputation. Yet none of them are filing claims of defamation against you. And, and I think that's so interesting because if you were, in fact, lying and making all of this up and there was no grounds for anything that you were saying, the easiest way to silence you is with a defamation suit against you. Yet they won't do that. Yeah, thankfully, the defense against defamation is truth. <laughs> so <laughs> since I'm speaking the truth, if they were to sue me for defamation, I would be able to subpoena their whole private lives related to the defamation wow. suit. And so if they sue me for that, I, I can just subpoena everything that some things that I don't even have access to right now, I would get access to because I would just be able to do anything that proves that I'm telling the truth. And so... I'm telling the truth. I know exactly what happened. I've seen text messages. Um, there's a lot of information that I haven't been able to share in the short time, but I, I was approached by the woman who was threatened and accused by the superintendent. I, I watched the uh. school board um, hire him in a very subversive way. I watched the school board violate TOMA regulations, Texas Open Meeting Act regulations. I watched the school board um, be told by the TEA that they had to hire an independent investigator to investigate all these matters. That independent investigator created a report that wasn't favorable to the district and that told the district not to renew the superintendent's contract. And instead, wow. these five board members stuffed that report, hid it from the public, and rehired, re reinstituted him, brought him back from leave, wow. and, and then just extended his contract recently. And, and then later, because I was able to help uh, get it exposed, this report, it came out months later, so about six months later after that, but they knew at the time they were told not to do that, and they did it anyway, um, and, and they get away with it. And that's what I was uh, saying over the break, and I'll say here on public, in public that I think we as Christians and, and others need to understand, we tend to be law-abiding people. Uh, we tend to, to believe in the laws. But if no one is around to actually hold people accountable uh, and, and be a public accountability to our governmental institutions, um, then it doesn't matter how many laws are on the book if no one's willing to stand up to, to try to hold people accountable to those laws. You could have a million laws. We see this in some cities in our country right now where people are robbing stores blind and nothing happens. Right. Why? Well, there's a law in the book that says you can't rob the store, but people are still robbing. Why? Because there's no one to enforce it. And so in the public sphere, free speech has been the cornerstone of how a Christian or someone else could speak out about an injustice, could speak out about something mm -hmm. that's wrong and bring attention to it and bring change. And so if we are unwilling to exercise that because of fear or because we want to go along to get along, then it doesn't matter what laws get passed because no matter how great or bad or good or whatever they are, they won't matter if, if somebody is not helping to enforce it. And I will tell you just from personal experience, this has been a horrific experience. Horrific. I would not wish it on anyone, uh, but I will tell you, if you take a stand, you need to be ready to pay the price for that stand, that people will come against you, the school board or whoever these people are there, they will use methods where they don't use your specific name, but they allude to you in press releases or, you know, rabble rousers mm -hmm. at the board meeting or whatever, and then they'll claim they weren't talking about you, they were talking about somebody else. It's like the ultimate mm -hmm. passive-aggressive thing, but it's an $800 million passive-aggressive thing funded by all kinds of our tax dollars. And so we need to be willing to pay that price, to be willing to risk our reputations, to be willing to stand up for what is right, because otherwise what we believe internally about Jesus and the gospel doesn't have any external impact. 
And so I, I think it's appropriate for Christians, we are to be meek and kind and gentle, true. But also, Jesus was the same Jesus that went to the temple and turned over temple changers and, and told the Pharisees that they didn't need to be going after a woman, this woman caught in adultery if they had the same problem. There, there, was, there was both sides. There was meek and gentle, which we're called to in many situations. And other times, you see many examples in Scripture where we're called to be bold as lions. And as Christians, we've almost begun to idolize in our country politeness. We, and we've transfused right. that with meekness and mildness. That's not true. God does not call us to be polite in every circumstance. In fact, sometimes by being silent, you are actually allowing and increasing evil. Um, and so that doesn't mean you speak up in every instance, but I can't believe that God is telling everybody to be quiet all the time. I think many times he's saying to people, speak up, and we often just don't because we don't want to rock the boat. And I think it's time for us as Christians to understand that we can rock the boat and still be godly. I love well, that. We- you bring up some great points because, yes, Jesus definitely gives us the example that um, anger is not sin. Right. I think we have a misconception of that. We just discussed that on a on a recent program. I mean, the Bible does not ever say that anger is sin. In fact, it says be angry, but sin not. And you bring up the I I mean, the perfect examples of Jesus was angry at the money changers, but he did not sin whenever he expressed his anger. Jesus was angry at the Pharisees for not treating the adulteress as a human being um, who had who had I mean, obvious sin in her life. But Jesus treated her as a human being. And so I do love this. I think that a lot of people do misinterpret um, politeness and use that as an excuse to not stand firm on God's word to not stand firm for what the Lord says is right and true and good and holy and perfect and beautiful. And, you know, Jeremy, you <laughs> you definitely have a backbone, and I cannot imagine what this has emotionally done to you and your family. I'm sure it has been incredibly draining on all of you. Um you know, you you alluded to, and I want you to go back to this before we get to the impact on your life. I want you to go back to this. Why do you think that the current board members ignored an independent recommendation to um, to get to not renew the superintendent's contract? Why did they Why did they just ignore that? And how, like, what is their basis for that? Yeah, and not sure. just ignore it, but stuff it and hide it and conceal stuff it, it and hide it. Yeah. 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 And and people can find out more about the story at riseforstudents.org. Riseforstudents.org. Okay. You can also go to donate and get a tax-deductible donation towards the legal fund that doesn't go to me at all. It goes straight to funding our legal fight. Riseforstudents.org. You can get all this information plus more, get updates, things like that. But to answer your question, I really would like to talk about the humanity of not just me, but the board members. We're all fallen people. I'm not any better than Hafed Aziz, who's the superintendent, or these board members, these five that were a part of this. I'm not proclaiming myself to be better. Um, You don't have to be perfect to issue a prophetic warning and to speak up in the public. And I think sometimes we feel like we have to be better than someone else. No, um, we just listen to what the Lord says. Prophets all throughout the Old Testament were messes, you know. Not a one of them was perfect, 
but yet God still called right. them to call out things in their society. And I think that there's right. an even ground there that isn't just we never say anything and we're always quiet or we're always, you know, angry or mean or something. And I think people create this false dichotomy. You hear pastors do it. You hear uh, pe- well-meaning people do it. That's a false dichotomy. You don't have to be either one or the other. You can actually, in some circumstances, be doing this, and in other circumstances, be doing the other. And even with these board members, they are loved by God. Now, he doesn't love their actions, just like he doesn't love my actions sometimes. And so I would desire for all of them to know God, you know, and to know him well, and including Hafed Haziz, who's, who's caused me un, untold hardship. Um, so I'm still calling them out while hoping God's best for them. And it's been a weird thing to try to do that. Even today I was trying to pray mm. blessings for them and understand what that means while at the same time, same time praying for victory for me. Because I think you see both mm-hmm. of those in Scripture, victory over that which is wrong and vindication. You see Psalms praying for that. But you also see people praying for their enemies. <clears throat> so I try to do both. I'm not, I'm not, I don't claim to be perfect or have it all figured out. I can just tell you I've had to go a lot deeper. Sometimes it's nice mm. that our theology can be so clean oh well you never do that or you always do this but when you get in real life situations i can just tell you i spent time praying for their blessing and i've also spent time praying that god will give me victory and they'll slip up in the legal process and so i'm praying for their spiritual blessing even for their kids blessing all that while at the same time praying for victory and vindication and protection for education both in round rock and across the state and it's been a bit of a dichotomy but i know that you see both in scripture and and so i'd rather just do both because i see both you know, I think that's interesting mm-hmm. what you say, because yeah. I think sometimes in Scripture, um, in order to bring someone to the, the just the full knowledge of Christ, their their evil deeds, God allows to be fully exposed so that they are held accountable. And in, in, in other places, you know, God deals, you know, with his mercy and grace in, in different ways, depending on the individual. And so, I mean, it would just be a wonderful, wonderful thing if through this court case, all of these things that, you know, these individuals have justified. I mean, you know, the Bible tells us that man's ways are right in his own eyes. And so I I am sure that these individual, you know, board members, Amy Weir, Amber Lundrum, Tiffany Harrison, I think some of them are former board members, June Zhao, Corey Vesa, and as you've said, the superintendent, Hafed Isaiz, I'm sure that in their own eyes, their ways are right. And so I love that the that the Lord is allowing these circumstances to fully expose their deeds. He's he's going to allow a trial where um, where justice and accountability are going to be applied to what they have and have not done. And hopefully that will bring them to a place where they're able to look truthfully at what at, at, at what what they've done and what the fruit of their lives um, ha- have been and the impact that has had on others. And who knows, uh, Jeremy, one of those individuals may end up being your best friend, uh, you know, in the future. You never know the work that God is going to do. So I really appreciate you reminding us because we do tend mm-hmm. to um, see evil and wicked deeds as the enemy when Christ tells us that our battle isn't against flesh and blood. And so thank you for that reminder. I know for me specifically, I really need to hear that and be reminded of that. Um, can you, can I know you tell- one thing also that I would just add, 
one simple thing. Like, there's a lot of things I just don't know. You know, I don't know exactly how God wants to resolve it all. I'm just trying to obey each day as best as I can. And when I make mistakes, I fix them, try to move forward. But I would say one thing I do know is when we do call people out, because you see this prophetically, you see this scripturally, when God calls people to exercise a prophetic gifting in our culture or to speak out against things that are just not right, maybe it's sex trafficking, maybe it's how kids are being uh, uh, treated wrongly in schools or things I've dealt with, we can never do that from a place of judgment. I know that for certain. That's not scriptural. Like, prophetic is different than judging. Judging is when you put yourself over someone else as if you're better than them because you're having to call them out on something. I think we always need to, even if we're being prophetic, do it from a place of realizing we are sinful as well. And so that we are calling them out because we're calling them according to what God has told us to do, but not because we are their judge. Um, That we recognize that we are equally in need of God's grace as they are even as we are calling out that which is wrong. And I think that's an important thing to always keep in mind for all of us who are involved in the public sphere, and you have to say things publicly, um, you know, that, that we don't get to think that we are the judge, because we're not. Only God is the judge. We might call something out, but we're doing it from a position of humility, recognizing that we are equally needing of God's grace. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so true. I mean, it's applicable to our everyday lives to every uh, our everyday lives as we are called to do that. Well, Jeremy, where where does everything stand right now? Um, talk us through this this recent ruling by Judge Ezra and, and what's next for you. Boy, uh, <laughs> I'm not a lawyer, <laughs> um, uh, but uh, what will mean for us is we have filed another. That judge asked us to file within 30 days an additional filing. We did. Um, we didn't just file additional filing with facts from the past. We moved it all the way forward to the president. We chronicled things that they've done since this time, which, believe it or not, they have. I have the two oldest grievances in the district. They still haven't handled those grievances. They've walked out on one of those grievances twice while I was in it after making us wait four hours for the grievance to start. They have this little plan where they created a a false – where they basically walked out and didn't have quorum and then walked off. Another time for the second grievance where I filed trying to deal with this internally in the district, they actually hid evidence from us, unlike anyone else at any grievance in the district that I've ever seen. Um, they, they hid evidence from us, then owned up to it when we exposed them, and then the, the grievance stopped in mid-session because they had hid evidence from us. And neither grievance wow. has been finished. So all that's in our suit now is one more way they're stopping my right to petition, stopping my right to free speech, stopping the ability to expose these things to the public. We should not, under First Amendment, under Fourth Amendment, you shouldn't be unlawfully seized and, and arrested for that sort of a thing. And under Fourteenth Amendment, of course, that's that's uh, equal protection and things like that. But the point is, is all those rights are being violated all the way to the present. And so we basically uh, filed another 70 pages worth of uh, past details and additional new details, and we actually put additional people in the suit. I don't like that. I don't like... Uh, for anyone that's hearing that knows about Round Rock, I don't like adding new people into the suit. Um, I personally feel that there's a, there's a lot of people that have done like, wrong things because they were p- being pressured by other people. And so my advice mm-hmm. to them would be come clean. Tell what the truth is about those other people um, because they shouldn't have made you do that. And what you did was wrong, but ta- tell what, who made you do it. And, and I think that will solve the problem. You know, I think that is so true because when we get embroiled in something that it's one lie and then another lie and then another lie, Christ tells us very clearly the truth is going to set you free. 
So if you want to get out of this, if you want light in a dark place, you run to the truth. You don't just trickle it out little by little. You run to the truth. And that's something, you know, that my mama always taught me growing up is like, baby, don't tell a lie because you're just going to have to tell another one to cover it up. And it's an awful place to live. Just tell the truth. And, uh, Jeremy, I, I love that you do say that, that this, it doesn't bring you joy to move forward in this, but you're doing it because it is the right thing to do. Yeah, when, when you know, this woman come to me and, came to me and said this was going on, I wasn't looking for that. It just, but when that happens and somebody comes to you for help, what do you do? Do you just ignore it um, and say, well, my life, I'll just move on without it? I think that's the opposite of the Good Samaritan, you know? Uh, the Good Samaritan didn't uh, have any ties with that particular man or anything investment in that particular man's life. It wasn't that it was going to affect his life personally, but he knew it was going to affect somebody else's. And so Jesus said that's an example of a neighbor. And so I think we as Christians are called to get involved with things that aren't necessarily just our family so that we can impact other people and help other people. Same reason why you might want to feed kids in a starving country or something. You don't just say, well, it's not, I'm not there, so it doesn't matter. No, you, you know, we, we're, God calls us to get involved in these other things. One of the biggest things we could use help on, I'm not some multimillionaire or some, something like that. I'm just a pastor uh, and a campus minister. It's work with college students across the country. And if people will go to that riseforstudents.org website, riseforstudents.org, we created a nonprofit that I don't control that goes directly to our legal fund, and our lawyer is diminishing his legal expenses to make every dollar go further. Um, but if they would go and give, because we're probably facing fifty to $100,000 more just to get to and through trial. And the school district is counting on one thing right now. I can guarantee it. <clears throat> They're counting <clears throat> on the ability to continue to threaten and delay and go through lawfare to see if they can outspend me. Because they have an $800 million budget funded by the taxpayers of Round Rock. And I don't have that, you know. I'm having to raise the money myself and pay for other things out of my own pocket. So one of the things people could do is go give it to that riseforstudents.org, get a tax deduction, and know that you're going to be fighting for parental rights alongside us. And I'll make sure that we keep updating you. And not a dime, not a penny, not a half a penny goes to me personally. Every bit of it goes to our legal fund. Um, and if we get any money back for that, we're going to reinvest that in other fights with other school districts where parents' rights are being violated. Where many wow. parents are having to back down because just standing up against the uh, the system is too too difficult. So, Jeremy, I love I love what you're doing. Thank you for taking a stand. And that is riseforstudents.org. Friend, we have uh, just we're going to have to step away from uh, Jeremy's story for a moment and wrap up this segment. But we will be back with a, uh, a final segment. You're going to want to stay with us uh, for stepping into the deep waters to save our students with Jeremy Story and Love Talk right after this. Stay with us. Don't wait. Score the best deal on the home of your dreams at the three-time awarded Community of the Year Santa Rita Ranch. With top-rated amenities and school districts, our 20 available move-in ready homes priced from the 200s won't last long. See for yourself why 2,000-plus neighbors love life at the ranch. For more information, visit us at SantaRitaRanch.com. SantaRitaRanch.com. 
Are you recovering from an injury, need to regain your health, or simply want to improve your golf swing? HeartFlex can help. HeartFlex is an innovative exercise tool for all fitness levels. Made in the USA, HeartFlex has helped countless Texans improve their fitness by increasing strength, boosting circulation, maximizing flexibility and endurance, and speeding recovery from surgery. It's small, portable, and lightweight. HeartFlex can be used standing, sitting, or lying down. No springs or rubber bands to snap back and cause injury. At less than $40, shipping is free and has a 30-day money-back guarantee. Nothing can stop you from improving your health today. You can learn more and to order yours, visit HeartFlexUSA.com. That's HeartFlexUSA.com. Hi, friends. This is Kathy Enderbrock with Let's Pray Today Ministries. Are you struggling in your marriage with anxiety and depression? Have rebellious kids or, or just want to pray for your children? Maybe you simply don't know where to start in prayer. We specialize in creating the tools to help you learn how to pray and pray effectively in a variety of life issues. Get your free MP3 download today on the topic of your choice. Go to www.letspraytoday.com and click on shop for your free audio prayer download. Become a friend on Facebook and let us know what prayer topic you Hello, friends, and welcome back to Love Talk. You're here with the Love Ladies. Coach Carrie Brinkater here with my co-host, Kathy Enderbrock. I'm talking to our amazing friend, Jeremy Story, um, who, who we've gotten to know over the past couple of years as a champion for um, your rights, friends, our rights that have been bestowed upon us because we are Americans. Um, and Jeremy has stepped in to something he never um, knew um, he was stepping into, but he has become a champion for all of us. Jeremy, you're you're fighting a legal battle. Um, RiseForStudents.org is a nonprofit that you've set up um, to help cover the cost of this legal battle that you've now been in for two years. And um, it's expensive. I can't even imagine how expensive it is. You're not a multimillionaire. And so you're depending on people to help you. Um, but none of this money goes to you. None of it goes into your pocket. All of it goes to championing um, rights for students, um, the First Amendment rights, and help with this defense. So, Jeremy, you put on your armor every day. Every time we talk to you, um, we talk facts and we talk about the, the trial or, or, or the case. Um, but we've seen a side of you today um, where you're so compassionate and you understand biblically that we're all fallen and you are pray- actively praying for the salvation of um, the people on this board. You're actively praying um, for their hearts. Um, while simultaneously praying that you'll be heard. And so what have you seen God doing through all of this, Jeremy, and how has this impacted you and your family? I'd say one of the hardest things personally, um, uh, there's a lot of things, but one of the hardest things personally is just carrying that every day and trying not to be bitter and angry, you know? And that's why I pray for blessing for them. I don't presume their salvation or not. I don't know where they are with the Lord. Uh, I mean, some of them it's pretty obvious because they own it, but others I don't know in terms of they own that they're not uh, leaning that direction. But I, I um, some of them I don't know. So the point is, it's not so that I just pray for their blessing um, because mm. I don't want to be bitter. And, and that's one way I know the Lord tells us not to be. Um, and that's been a constant wait. Um, uh, I want to call out what's wrong. 
I want to press forward for what's true. I want to be defending other parents' rights so that other people don't have to go through this. Um, but I also want to do it from a position of not of humility and not being uh, sort of bitter, you know. And, and bitter is where you hold on to judgment over someone else. And so one of the ways to do that, to not do that, is to pray release and blessing for them. But at the same time, I am praying for victory in the suit. And so it's a, a tough thing. But I'd say with our family, another thing, you know, is just loss of reputation. You know, this has affected our ministry that I've been involved with for 28 years. I started as a student when I was at UT to this day. It's affected our ministry in significant ways uh, with donations, with people. You can't go to many events, you know, at, at different national leaders that I've dealt with for all these years, uh, different ministries and boards that I serve on. Can't go to any of those times and not have somebody ask you about some, the school district and what's going on with the school district. And every time you go everywhere, sometimes even I remember going and buying boots for one of my kids at a boot store uh, in Round Rock. And somebody recognized me and wanted to talk about it. Somebody I'd never met before in my life, you know. And and this this happens all the time. And so um, that's become like a central conversation in our life when our life isn't just about the school board. Um, and so there is a weight you're kind of carrying in that. And that's been a pretty heavy thing personally, emotionally, spiritually. And in our marriage and in our kids, they are carrying that too because they, they're aware of the news. They They can see Fox News. They can see, you know, all these different Internet sites. They can see CBS and all these things. And so they, they carry that, and I'm sure they have their – I know they have their friends asking. I remember my daughter two years ago, shortly after this happened, it broke my heart. She said to me – she was younger, uh, several years younger than her, two years ago, and she said, Daddy, why did those police uh, shove you down to the floor? I don't understand. Because she happened to be there that day because I had taken her to the doctor and didn't have time to get back home uh, before the board meeting. And I wasn't anticipating there being any problem. But I could just walk in and say my piece, but no, they blocked the doors of the cops. And, 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 and I had to – she had nightmares. And, and, and trying to explain to her how to respect the law, but how sometimes people can do wrong things um, within that. And so that's really t- tough because we're not anti-police or anything like that. And, and how, do you, how do you walk that dilemma with a young girl? It's been uh, tough. My wife, she's an intensely private person. She is not a public person. But this has forced her uh, against her will – into the uh, not to walk into the public domain, but the public coming into her space, um, and, you know, and, and that's been tough for her in significant ways. And so, but the, the Lord never told us that in this life you won't have troubles. He said in this life you will have troubles, and but take heart because He says I have overcome the world. So Jesus didn't promise us that everything would be great. He just promised us that as we go through the broken world, He will be with us. He will deliver us. He will guide us. He will direct us. And then in, uh, uh, he always is using all things either on this earth or in the next life for our good. Um, and so mm. I think that's important for us to remember that, that in the ups and downs, we as Americans tend to believe that if we're down or something's going wrong, some, we've done something wrong. That's not mm. true. Um, that sometimes bad things happen because we live in a tough world. And, and, and as believers, we need, we're going to have to get tougher because I believe that this world, we are headed more and more. You know, we've seen the reinstatement of Israel 50-something years ago. We've seen a lot of other biblical prophecies that nobody thought would ever come true that are Old Testament or what Jewish people would say, the Bible prophecies. Um, both Jews and Christians see these prophecies and see them coming to pass. And we believe that a lot of the prophecies of Jesus and the, Old, and, the, and the prophets of the Old Testament are coming to pass in a lot of ways. Now, I don't know what that means except to say that we're getting closer to the end of days, whenever that may be. And so as that happens in our own country and in other places, we're increasingly going to face persecution. That's not the exception to the rule. That is the rule because we aren't of this world. So we need to be toughened up a bit 
So what a lot of times, unfortunately, other countries have had to deal with, now we're dealing with in America. And, and believers need to stop looking at, oh, persecution is happening to that person, therefore they must have done something wrong. Would they do that in North Korea when a Christian is put in jail for something? No, people understand that's the government prosecuting and persecuting them. And in our own country, we've had such freedom for so long, which has been a blessing, a grace blessing, that when someone is persecuted, we instantly assume, if it's coming from the government, they, the person must be wrong. And, and, you know, in China and North Korea, they don't look at it that way as the believing church. We are needing to be more wise as serpents and innocent as doves and stop just trusting everything that's thrown in our way from the government while not becoming jaded, but being wise while being innocent. And I think that's really important for our age. That's so mm. true. Developing the, that discernment as Christians and weighing the the truth of what is happening uh, rather than mm-hmm. just um, swallowing whole uh, what is presented to us. I mean, Jeremy, I just... Uh, thank you so much for being um, so forthcoming with us and so genuine with us. And, and I mean, I, I can't imagine the toll that this has taken on you. And because, um, you know, I've heard you speak when you when you speak with uh, National Day of Prayer and Campus Renewal and every student sent. And I look at your life's ministry is always about has been about um being able to do more together and building up and discipling the next generation. And so the fact that the Lord has asked you to stand and go through this, what you're going through now, I, I have to know, and I do know that he is going to do above and beyond and more than we can imagine in this situation. And I'm really grateful for Judge Ezra's ruling that this is going to move forward. And I look forward to, you know, our listeners getting more information on this and about stepping into this fold with you and helping you with some of these legal expenses. And um, and, and I believe that um these board members will be held accountable, that this superintendent will be held accountable, and that truth will prevail in this situation. And friends, for those of you who want more information about this, you can go to riseforstudents.org. You can donate uh, to that 501c3 legal fund. Jeremy, I like that you have said that none of it, not a penny goes to you, but everything goes uh, to help you um, in the uh, court filings and um, in this case moving forward. Well, we have about two minutes left in this segment. Jeremy, what would you like to share? What would you like to say with our listeners um, before we farewell everyone today? That's a hard question. I don't, I would say, (laughs) you know, we are, you're right. We're staring down the barrel needing to raise another hundred thousand dollars to get to trial, you know, and, um, and we'll do it. And God will give us the ability and strength, but it's only happened with a bunch of people standing together. When you look at, and I know it's not as extreme as this, when you look at the rise of people like Hitler or Stalin or other places, it came because people were silent until it was too late. And, uh, you know, it always starts off small. It's always something, well, that's not that big a deal, or that's bad, but, you know, maybe it won't ever happen to me. And, and then it gets too far. And once it gets too far, it's hard to speak up. And so I think it's very important because what's it, there's a reason why the First Amendment is the First Amendment. We believed, our founders believed that those rights were given by God. And, and the First Amendment was the ability to speak out and exercise your religious faith, both. Because that was the basis of ability to keep all the rest of the other amendments and rights that we believe that were God's inalienable rights for you. And so I think we, we must stand together in that. So I would encourage people to go to that side. Second thing I would say real briefly is I see in our society a politicization of moral issues. And when things get involved in the political sphere, mm. then Christians back off and say, I can't do that because it's politics. And so the enemy's mm. tactic has been really simple. Get things that Jesus cares about that actually are moral issues 
to be politicized and controver- made them controversial, and then Christians will back off and think they can't have anything to say about it because it's, quote, political. And, and, mm. and if we continue to do that, we're just ceding ground to letting the world say what they think about things without getting out Jesus' perspective about moral issues that were moral issues long before they entered the political realm. So my call to Christians would be, whatever it is that God's calling you to, remember, Jesus first, gospel first, the government isn't our savior, Jesus is. But when we're called to speak out, we can't just say, well, if it's political, I won't say anything. Because there's so much moral behavior that we need to speak out about and actions that are important for us. And we can't just write that off because it's in the political sphere. I would call Christians to be in the world, but not of it. That's what Jesus said in John 17, not out of it and not of it. I love that. Jeremy's story. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. Friends, uh, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us each week. You can share this story if you go to our podcast on Love Talk, all one word, at your favorite podcast site, Love Talk. You can get uh, this full uh, this full interview, this full one-hour interview. You can go back to our archives at lovetalknetwork.com. You can type in Jeremy's story. It will pull up all three interviews that we've done with Jeremy. You can go for Rise for students.org and uh, get all the videos uh, there and it will you can see all the video we have evidence learn more about this and get involved keep this in your prayers uh, friends thank you so much for joining us we will look forward to being back with you uh, next week here on Love Talk I'm Kathy Endebrock for Coach Carrie Brinkater uh, it's been a pleasure we'll look forward to being with you next week friends <laughs>